Hi, I'm Rob Knight, the host of Your Itinerary for Travel and Photography. You're listening to This Week in Photo. Bandwidth for This Week in Photo is provided by the CashFly Content Delivery Network. Send your web content blazingly fast with CashFly. And now, pay as you go. Start with two terabytes free by going to C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com and use the promo code TWIP. This episode of This Week in Photo is brought to you by the brand new TWIP School. You can check it out at school.thisweekinphoto.com. Hey folks, coming up this November 27th through December 10th, I'll be taking a small group of 6 to 11 people on an exclusive 14-day photography adventure through the wonderful country of Vietnam in Southeast Asia. This trip will have a strong emphasis on the Vietnamese culture and will be photographing all the way. Oh, and as a bonus, you can help me celebrate my birthday, which is November 28th, in Hanoi. Get the full details and sign up at twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. That's twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. This is Twip, episode 473, Fujifilm's X-T2, the evolution of a good thing. Fujifilm is at it again. This time they've released the successor to their wildly popular X-T1 mirrorless camera, the X-T2. There are a number of refinements on this new body, and one of the big ones is that it features full 4K video. To date, Fuji apologists have explained that the camera system is for real photographers, not those wanting to do something as mundane as video. Well, that sentiment may be changing. Not only have they added 4K features, but they've introduced a slew of new features and refinements sure to persuade those X-T1 shooters into reaching for their wallets. Things just got real. It's Monday, July 11th. 2016, and this is TWIP. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I'm joined by Miss Nicole Young of NicoleZ.com and Mr. Yevgeny Tabatarov from 500px or 500px, however you decide to pronounce it. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. I like that you pronounced his name better than the 500px <laughs> you <laughs> nailed that and then you're like stumbling on the hey, easiest one when i one. first started talking to you giddy i practiced man when you were coming on yeah. the show the first time i practiced your name for like 10 minutes we practiced a lot yeah we I practiced was, a lot i was asking brian i was like how do you pronounce his name i forgot <laughs> now i got it i'm good do you have a nickname can i just call you like e for yeah f. yev yev f, yeah yev f? awesome oh cool ev ev i like that all right it's ev from now on ev. change it in the show notes it's gonna be ev well, welcome to both of you guys for coming on. Nicole, what's what's going on with you? You've been uh, I've been seeing flashes of your name all over the place. What's yeah. happening? I've been uh well, I'm working on a Lightroom course right now for my store. Uh, I haven't announced it yet, so this is the first. Uh cool. I'll probably push more inf- information out on my newsletter in a couple weeks, but I've uh my biggest thing beside that that I've been doing is I've been scuba diving and doing a lot of underwater photography. That's the new so thing now. Is, you and <laughs> you and David Dushman. David yeah, was on. Actually, I went on the same trip as David, uh, like last month. Oh, we went okay. out to photograph, uh, dive with giant mantas and sharks. It was so cool. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah. It was that's awesome. what I heard. And apparently, it was life changing because two of my favorite photographers are now like water babies. So <laughs> it what's was. Going on? <laughs> it was so much fun. You know, it's one of those things that I, I don't live. I live in Portland, Oregon, and. We don't have, you know, we're not immediately next to the ocean, so I have to drive a couple hours to get to anywhere where I can do any significant type of diving. 
but it's still it's kind of murky. It's kind of green. You know, it's not like amazing. So I have to fly anywhere I go. So I'll probably only be doing two or th- maybe three <laughs> trips a year if I'm lucky. Uh, so it's yeah. kind of compartmentalized photography, but it's really fun when I do it, and it's yeah, really exciting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah, and he and I, we'll, we'll talk about it. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about it in story three in that area. <laughs> so, well, welcome to the show, Nicole. It's always good to have you on. And Mr. Yevgeny Chabotarov, see that? See how it just rolls? Yeah. It's like, it's got a cadence to it. I want to say the I, whole thing. I'm always very impressed. So, just, <laughs> just like get a smile on my face when you say that. <laughs> oh, you guys got, you, yeah. got a, you know, it's like, it's got a rhythm to it. Uh, what's going on at 500 Picks? Well, uh, as for myself, I've been traveling quite a bit. So when are you not traveling? You are every time I talk to you, you're in a different country or something. No, it's a little bit different. So I've been around Asia for half a year now, oh. uh, and uh, one of the main things that I'm involved with is trying to find out how the how this part of the world works. You know what makes it tick, and uh, how do startups work here, and uh, you know kind of like. The whole ecosystem of the apps and everything is so different. Um, so I'm trying to get involved myself in, in that part. Uh, but yeah, we've been doing a lot of things at Fahrenheit Packs as well. So uh, the, the and where, new, where in Asia are you right now? Where are you? I'm in, in Taiwan, in Taipei. Uh, yesterday I was in Shanghai for the weekend, and now I'm back. <laughs> Shanghai was great. Uh, Taipei is pretty great too, uh, but it's much, much smaller. You're a secret agent, man. Just, <laughs> just admit it. You are, you are a secret agent with this whole startup thing as a cover. Yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, possibly. <laughs> it's, yeah. I'd, have, I'd tell you, but I'd have my, to my, my whole cover is basically uh, just a t-shirt uh, that keeps, yeah, me, that keeps yeah. me out of trouble. Uh, but yeah, so there's been a lot of things at Fahrenheit as well, including the new iPhone app with the machine learning technology uh, and the new way for people kind of like to engage with the brands, uh, what we call photo quests. So we we'll probably will talk about that later on. Yes, yes, I definitely want to talk about that. Before we do that, uh, let's talk about story number one. So Fuji, you know, at it again, Fuji is building... I think Fuji's building a religion. I'm just going to say it. Fuji, <laughs> Fuji, <laughs> Fuji's building a religion. We're going to call it Fujitology or something. Because people that shoot Fujis love their Fujis beyond all reasonable doubts of loving a piece of hardware. Right? Exactly. There's a convert now. Right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Fuji announced, they announced their new XTC. Exactly. Exactly. Fuji announced their XT2. And one of the things that people had been dinging Fuji about over the past several years was, yeah, it's a great still camera, it's awesome, but, you know, they, they really don't care about video that much. So if you care about video, you should probably go someplace else. Now, Fuji comes on with, hey, we're introducing 4K video into these lustworthy cameras of ours, starting with the X-T2. Nicole, you're, you're in the Fuji camp, obviously. Yeah. What, what do you think? What do you think? Is this, uh, is this the last branch for all those people that were like, I can't go to Fuji because they don't do video? I don't know. Um, well, I already have one on pre-order. So, <laughs> you, can, you know, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, I'm, it's funny because I'm not really excited about it because of the, of the video. And, but I don't, I don't really know enough about what people want in video other than, you know, is, is 4K the only thing? No, probably yeah. not. There's going to yeah. be the glass and... You know, that's probably the other biggest thing that's going to go yeah, along with it. The recording format, yeah. The glass, what can, the, yeah, what can you yeah, plug into it? Audio quality. Mm-hmm. So there's so much more to it than just 4K, but that's definitely a, 
a really good step in the right direction. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm excited about it because you can do a lot with 4K if you are just doing little clips here and there. Um, I'm personally excited for some of well, it's not this it's not a small thing, but they did increase the sensor size to 24 megapixels, which is mm. a really big deal. Um, you know, 16 has been great. I do a lot of landscape though, and it's nice to have. It's just nice to have a little bit more. And I think that in that mid twenties is kind of the sweet spot for stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, little other little things. It has a uh, the so with the food. This is just the XT one, but the um, if you're actually watching this and not listening to the podcast, the display it swivels up and down like this. But the actual XT two it goes sideways, and it doesn't. You know, you might look at it and go, well, "Why is it doing that? Is that for like selfies or something?" But if you're photographing vertically and you have your camera really low, you can tilt it up and see. That's one of the things I love about the tilt screens on those cameras. So yeah. it's it's a lot of little things, you know, two cards slots instead of just one. Um, I, I'm really excited to get my hands on one. Yeah, so. yeah, it looks it looks really cool. In in about the video we were talking about, so uh, UHD 4K. Uh, let's see, a bit rate of 100 megabits per second. It uses the 1.17x crop factor on the sensor for a resolution of 5120 by 2880 downsampled to 3840 by 2160, which is pretty good. Um, Multiple frame rates, including true 24p for cinema, and it's got a a 3.5 millimeter microphone jack, which is pretty awesome as well. So internally, it can record for 10 minutes at a time. So interesting. That's so pretty good for, yeah. I mean, it's usually 12, like SLRs are going to have a 12 minute usually. They, and then they break, almost, right? Yeah. They, they, they break the file. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, it just gets too warm. I think the cameras start to get too warm. Oh, yeah, I always thought that was because none of my cameras get warm. I mean, they have smaller sensors. Maybe that's it. Who knows? <laughs> um, hey, maybe it's like the 30 second default on a long exposure time frame. You know, it's like there's no reason yeah. for it. But it's there. <laughs> exactly. So. Why is it there? Because it's always been there. Yeah. Um, it says, uh, let's see, yeah. So, but with the addition of a vertical booster, a power booster grip, users can capture up to 30 minutes of footage and will gain a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack on it. So if you want the headphone jack, you get this, this power grip and you record for 30 minutes. Without it, you don't have a headphone jack, and you get 10 minutes. So, interesting. Yevgeny, Maybe what do you think, thing. man? Well, I'm what, sure what it was XT1. Um, and, you know, looking at how Fuji is doing things, uh, it's it just kind of like myriads of small improvements. It's just kind of like, oh, this is nice, and this is nice, and this is nice. None of them are uh, revolutionary. You know, we all have seen this before. They've all been, you know, in other cameras. But it's kind of like all these little things that you... You want it to, you know, to, to be better, and they're now here. So I think X2 is going to be a great camera. I personally like more megapixels as well, but not too many because I have DA10, which shoots 36, and I find that a little too much. So kind of <laughs> like I, I wanted to go yeah. down to probably around like 22, 24, so that's a perfect range. Uh, and all the little things, you know, like uh, more expanded ISO, uh, better low light, uh, just kind of like everything just probably uh, will be a little better and overall it will, you know, overall that's a great package. So so it's, a, it's an evolution, you know, not a revolution. You really don't want a revolution in this camera series because yeah, it works already with the X-T1. Usability, uh, with X-T1, everything is great except maybe one thing is choosing the focus 
points, especially if you try to shoot anything uh, like documentary style journalism. Uh, so fix and stick is kind of like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like, I just want to like, okay, I'll get it for just this. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, so it's, uh, yeah. I think it's great improvement. Yeah. Are you, yeah. are you talking about having to like quickly change your focus point on the back of the camera? Is that what, I actually have a trick for that hmm. and it's all, and I, cause I've ever since I've had my, I don't know when I, when I figured it out, I've had my X2 one for a while. Yep. Um, so there are four, you know, around in the center, there are four of those things. All you have to do is just go into the the controls, like the custom control or the FN control settings, and just just basically you just have to say, I'm not going to use any of those for anything except for focus. So you just change them to say select focus. And then, you know, for, for other things. So it's, <laughs> I hear you. You know, it's I, hear like you. I want more dials. <laughs> that, that's, that's the main thing. So now they have it. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. So, are you guys are you guys telling me that that the the screen of the LCD isn't a touch screen? Well, at least on like no, it's, not a, I'm not, it's yeah. not a touch yeah. screen. I've only had oh. one camera that's a touch. Yeah, I don't think it's a. I mean, so I've only had like a consumer, like a Canon seventy D. I think is a touch screen. That's the only camera I've ever had that was touch screen. Oh my! Are, are, are the Sony? Screens. Are the Sony's? Touch no, screen? no, they're not. They're not. Is it? What do you use? Are you Olympus? I'm, I'm shooting Panasonic Lumix. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, they're all they're all touchscreen for the most part, except for one of them. I think my LX100 isn't isn't touch, but for the most part, all of the cameras are touch. And but my newest one, the uh, the Lumix GX8, has the articulated screen that you know that kind of folds out and goes at whatever angle, and it's also touch. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't yeah touches touches. I don't know. You know, we we talk about that talked about it on all about the gear when I was hosting that show with Doug K, and we like. We always lament the fact that manufacturers don't put touchscreens in everything now, considering like we're all yeah. trained monkeys to use things that look like glass and have lights beneath them. We should probably be able to touch it, right? Yeah, <laughs> so. Maybe for some of us who are, you know, we all we use phones, we use iPhones, we use Android phones, but we have used cameras and, are, and had regular cameras for so long that unless you have touchscreen and you've used touchscreen on the back of a camera, it's not something you miss yet. Like, yeah. I don't feel like I'm missing out because I don't have it. And yeah. that's partly because I know how to use my camera really well without having to really yeah. think about it. I don't, you know, but it, I could see the benefit of just going, I want this to be in focus and touching yeah. it. And that would be the, that'd be really cool. It's just ridiculous. I mean, being able to do that. And even when you're holding it up, cause it automatically shuts it off when you're holding it up to your face, yeah. but they have some sort of magic in there that you can so still your nose touch. Doesn't like change the, yeah, the but you can still point. touch it. Yeah. You can still, even when you're composing your shot, you can touch the screen and uh-huh. see your focus point in the, the EVF while you're, have- do they have you know? f- fingerprint scans so nobody else can use your camera? <laughs> yes, mine does have that. Yeah, it has yeah, <laughs> biometrics and, and all that. You know, you can put a little DNA sample in there right, and lock right. it down. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if, it's, if you've never had it, you know, what's, what's to miss? It's right. better to, is it better to have loved and lost than to not <laughs> have loved at all? I don't know. Well, they can always put so many things into new cameras. And who knows? Maybe it's something they're working on. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder why, though. I wonder why... I don't know. I mean, because it seems like it seems obvious that you would put this in all cameras. I mean, I'm speaking from somebody that uses it all <laughs> yeah. the time, right? But it just seems obvious. And if you didn't want to use it, you could turn it off, right? But it just seems like because we use smartphones and devices that that touch, you know, that use touch, and we're trained to use it, that it should be in everything. You've well, What do you think? Do you it, miss it? Just real quickly. It, no, I'm go sorry. ahead. Go ahead, Nicole. Well, I just did a quick Google search, and it looks like the uh, Fujifilm X70. So they have is the technology. A <laughs> So, but it, and that's probably more on the like consumer side. 
They help yeah, the technology. They that's, I mean, this, it, that kind of makes sense because this type of technology tends more towards the consumer side of things. You know, people who mm-hmm. are used to their phones, they maybe they are trying to transition from their iPhone to a professional camera or a, you know, interchangeable lens camera. And then they go mm-hmm. from that to this, which is kind of just a, a point and shoot is what it looks like. I've never used one before, but so Are that, you trying to say I'm not a professional photographer? Nicole? No, I'm talking about the Fuji. I think by the time there's like it, it doesn't matter what kind of camera you have. XD, Anybody can be a professional photographer. Have the, uh, the touch screen, so... And you'll have to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I've been. You know what? The the Fujis are are magical. There's no denying. So why why are you go? So just just on that Fuji sort of train, Evgeny. Let's start with you. Why why are you both using Fuji? Like why? What is what's the magic of Fuji? And then Nicole, I want you to explain yourself because I know Brian had one foot in the Sony camp a while. You know, I don't know if he's still in there, but you had every opportunity to be a Sony person and resist it. So Evgeny, you tell me why why are you shooting Fuji? Well, for me, it was basically two reasons uh, uh, and one extra reason. The extra reason is that Fujifilm was the uh, uh, sponsor for the Global Photo Walk that we hosted mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. So at that time, they gave me a camera to, to you know walk around for a month. And after I did, I couldn't resist buying one. <laughs> so, so I bought it because of the size. It's much lighter package to carry around. Uh, and my kit is currently just three lenses and one camera. So that's all I uh, got with me on, on the trip. Uh, and the second reason, it looks cool. You know, the, uh, it's the retro feel. I, it, it actually slows me down. So the Nikons and everything are, are made for speed and made for uh, kind of like blind operation. So I don't have to look at the camera to change all the settings. With Fuji, mm-hmm. it's not possible. So I have to look and I have to think a little and all the dials and everything. So it kind of like slows me down and some shots that I miss. Uh, uh, but, but it makes me think of, of what I want to take and just kind of like... Uh, you know, think a little bit more about photography and just kind of like be a little bit slower, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a bad thing. It's actually kind of like uh, makes me more patient. <laughs> are you are you still using your Nikon's for things or, or? Uh, not for travel? So it's just heavier camera to carry, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of like ambivalent. Like I like the low light for uh, of Nikon and the resolution power of Nikon, but at the same time, uh, I like my back. <laughs> And I and I hate ca- carrying huge backpack with bigger lenses and bigger cameras. So I'm actively kind of like downsizing uh, the camera and has been looking actually at Fuji X70, which is uh, uh, just one fixed lens, same sensor as X-T1, so very small package. Uh, but at the same time, something that you can just put in your pocket and just uh, just go go ahead and travel. So I think a lot of photographers have been trying to downsize exactly for that reason because the photo bags are getting bigger uh, and we're not getting any younger, unfortunately. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, it's a, it's a one-way trip. <laughs> Nicole, what about you? What about you? So like I said, you had every opportunity to go Sony and still decided to be the nonconformist of yeah. the family. What's up with that? Well, for some of the same reasons that Yevgeny said, I, I like the aesthetic of it. I like that it kind of looks retro. But it's not. That's not the only reason. I wouldn't use something just because of the way it looked. Uh, I've dealt with that with camera bags, and they try to make girl camera bags, and they look cute, but they're so uncomfortable. Uh, I like that. I like that all of the dials are knobs. That the aperture ring is on the camera, and you know the the, the tactile having to move things around to actually change something. And I do like the way. Uh, I, I like the the way the photos look. Uh, that I can apply 
the film presets to it. So I have like the Fuji film, you know, because that's that's what they're known for. Fuji film, Fuji film. And so I use the Velvia one a lot. And I can also apply those on import in Lightroom if I import, you know, however I import them. Uh, so those are some of the things that I like. But it's probably the biggest thing that I like is if I had to choose like one thing, mm-hmm. it's because their entire lineup is uh, all crop frame cameras. Uh, the Sony cameras. So the reason that you know that you are that Frederick is making kind of poking around at the whole Sony thing is because my husband Brian, he's a Sony artisan and he worked for Sony for a while, mm-hmm. and they they really tried to get me over to their side. They you know I went on one of their influencer things and and Brian was like, oh why did you switch to Sony? You should switch to Sony. And mm-hmm. I had a really good chance you know if that door was open to possibly be one of the artisans. If I had obviously I'd have to go into that route and, and do the whole my do my time and whatever, but. I didn't. I just didn't want to because it wasn't. I didn't. I wanted to use a camera that felt right to me, and I really enjoy using the camera. I like what I get from it, but I enjoy using the camera. Um, and because they're all crop, all, like all of their cameras are crop frame cameras, it's you know they've committed to that. Like you could go with Sony, you could go with another brand and get the crop frame, but it's not going to be. That's not going to be the the. I guess the the higher end, the flagship stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know that's kind of the route that I like to go. And a crop frame camera means that the lenses are going to be smaller. They're not, you know, I, or I can have a f two eight lens that at the same size that a, or, or even maybe a little smaller than a Sony lens would be at f four. And the whole purpose is I want to have smaller gear and less gear, and so that's you know, all of those reasons combined. <laughs> okay, so then let's let's talk about just what you guys are shooting because for the most part. And this is just my circle of friends have been mostly landscape photographers or people that shoot or landscape and street seems like the primary kind of target audience for Fuji. Maybe I'm wrong because I you guys seem to be travel, like land, probably landscapey travel, travel. Yeah. And then yeah. like Valerie Jardin, she's she's a street photographer. Is it is that the kind of the sweet spot for the Fujis or can other people in other genres look to Fuji and, and make it work like, say, fashion or, you know, something like that? I don't sports, think it's, even. Yeah, I don't think it's a cam- – I mean, I don't I don't know how it would work and how it would behave in a sports environment, like if you need something really, really fast frame rate. It does do fast photos, but I don't know. Sometimes if you do like a series with your electronic shutter, then the, the camera kind of has to catch itself up. So that might not work in sports. I don't know how the X-T2 is going to perform. Um, but with that said, you know, you could take it to your kid's soccer game and get some really good photos. Uh, you, I, I, I photograph food with it. The only exception for me is I don't do it. I don't use it for my underwater camera. I still use my Canon for that. Um, and that's because of the things that I like about it. That's because of the knobs. Um, when you have an underwater housing, the housing surrounds the camera and it push, you know, the buttons on the housing have to push the buttons on the camera. Yeah. And when you have all these, you know, like aperture rings and all these knobs that turn around, it's... I know that there's, there are housings out there. There's at least one I know of, but I don't know if it would. I think it would be a very difficult experience underwater to actually turn the knobs and you know not really know what I'm actually set at. So, but yeah, and I think, trying you to know, keep your frame of mind yeah, to not die exactly, while you're underwater. You exactly. Know? <laughs> so yeah, because that's really important. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think you could be you could photograph anything for the most part and and use a Fuji. It's not like specific to only like street and travel photographers. Evgeny, what do you think? Is there a target market for these guys, or are they multi-purpose? Uh, no, obviously multi-purpose. You can you can take selfies with that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> we would recommend that. <laughs> be careful. Uh, and but in general, you know, tr- travel is the character that it fits uh, me the most. 
Uh, it's a smaller package, but uh, frankly, I think it's multi-purpose, so you can take it. There might be there might be places where I probably wouldn't take it if I would be shooting some wedding photography, for example. Mostly because mm -hmm. uh, I got used to shooting a few weddings with DSLRs, and it feels more natural. But in in, in places where it's not demanding. It's not like a job demanding to be uh, fast and to be accurate, but more like, okay, I have time and I'm shooting landscapes or I'm shooting, uh, like I'm shooting portraits and I can communicate with the subject a little more, kind of like, you know, get, get to know each other. So in those settings, I think it doesn't matter which camera you're shooting and Fuji would do a marvelous job at that. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that kind of popped in my head while you were talking is the EVF. And both of you guys, coming from the DSLR world and moving over to mirrorless with these kinds of cameras, a lot of the complaints that I hear from people is, and even just last week I was doing, I was in email dialogue with someone that was talking about how it's never the same shooting through an EVF versus actually seeing the photons bouncing off of the mirror. You know, there's always going to be some sort of lag. Does that bother you guys, the lag, or is it, you know, is it, you know, is it just the price of, of having a technological the old innovation? Nicole? Blasting into my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> old school photons. I prefer the EVF. I really like it. You do? Over yeah, over I, the old school photons? I do. Yeah. And but for people who don't, you can use the rangefinder. You can use the X Pro two, X Pro one. Those yeah, allow is, you yeah. to switch back and forth. Yeah. But I I actually really like it. And it's it's funny because people ask me, which DSLR should I buy, right? And I'm usually like, well, have you considered mirrorless? You know, not mm -hmm. saying just get a Fujifilm camera. But there are so many different ones because of the EVF. Because you look through and you have pressed that shutter, you see your depth of field. You see your exposure. You see pretty much everything that the, the photo is going to turn out. So the actual learning curve is a lot shorter than it would be if, you know, People pick up a DSLR, they take a picture, they're like, why is the background not blurry? I don't understand. Because mm -hmm. they're at like 12 millimeters and F11, you know, and they don't mm -hmm. understand how it works. So if they can play with those settings and kind of get a, a you know, wig feel for what you're actually getting, then... I think it's good See, for beginners, now, but now you're as making a pro, me feel really. You're making me feel old now, Nicole, because I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking you're saying that about the DSLR versus the mirrorless world. I remember having a similar conversation about film versus digital. <laughs> you wait a week, and you're like, "Why did my photos turn out?" <laughs> like, yeah, now you're like, <laughs> you don't even "Yeah, with DSLRs, you have to wait like a yeah. second, and <laughs> it's like that's just unacceptable." No, you're, you know? you're right. You are right, but it still is. You know, I, I mean, I like it because of that. I like it because yeah, I can too. see what I'm going to what what's going to turn out. And, and there's kind of an interesting feel because with here's actually a really good uh, example of one of the reasons why I really like the EVF. When I was in Italy, I actually attended David Dushman's uh, one of his portfolio series workshops. And I decided and I'm not a black and white photographer at all. If you look at my portfolio, it's like all colorful. Mm -hmm. I decided to only photograph in black and white. Nice. And so in my camera, I changed my film mode to one of the monochrome or Fujifilm monochrome settings. So when I was looking through my camera, I was literally seeing in black and white. So mm -hmm. I, I saw Italy so differently than, if, than I did, would have if I had photographed it all in color and then converted it after the fact. So now when I look at those photos, the first thing I did when I imported them was I made sure that they were all converted to a black and white, you know, some type of monochrome film setting. And I can't even there's – there's like one exception. I went to one of the – there's an island that has a lot of colorful buildings, and I, I changed, turned it off for that. But for everything else, if I look back at those photos, it feels wrong to change it back to color because I was cool. – I saw them all in black and white. So and you that's were shooting, a good example. And you were shooting raw plus JPEG, so you could go back – I'm assuming you oh, were yeah. shooting raw plus JPEG. I do. So you I can go yeah. back – 
you can go back and, and say, well, you know what? I want to see what this one looks like in color. Exactly. You can exactly. reprocess it as color. Yeah. Yes. That's that's really cool. Evgeny, what about you, man? Like the the we were talking about the EVF specifically. Does it bother you having an EVF versus, or do you switch back and forth on the Fuji? You know, the the first time I picked up an EVF camera, it was Fuji X hundred, mm-hmm. and I hated it. I'm like, oh my god, this is a horrible, horrible experience because the EVF was laggy, uh, like two seconds behind the real. <laughs> Are you talking world. about the original X one hundred? Like the yeah, first one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. And I'm like, how do people how do people like this? Like they're so people were raving on that it, camera. They were like Yeah, yeah, but it, like for me I could I could never understand this and obviously I don't get all the trends that people like. Uh but uh, eventually, you know, kinda like when I get to try X T one a few years later, I I like the VF for the same reason as Nicole is mentioning is that you, you see you see what you get and and once people once you show people who you know, used to shoot DSLRs for many years, and you show them how it works, they're like, oh, wow, you know, I don't have to, to make mistakes anymore, <laughs> you know, even mm-hmm. because with DSLR, you shoot and you take a, uh, you know, take a look at the screen, and you're like, oh, well, it's too dark or too bright, or my setting's a little bit off. Uh, and with, you know, with, with Fuji or with any other uh, mirrorless camera, you see right away. So you, you know, there's no surprise there. Yeah. And uh, I find it very, again, like it's a little bit luggy. Um, and I think X-T2 and X-Pro2 are, are getting faster and faster. Uh, but it, even X-T1 is, is much better and I don't have any complaints compared to X-100, which I couldn't stand. <laughs> like I couldn't even look, look through the camera and I'm like, okay, I just like, I want to give up. So X-T1 uh, uh, is, is, is a pleasure to use. Uh, and EVF uh, is probably I probably will find it hard to switch back to DSLR after this. You know, what, I want to I want to I want to talk a little bit about battery life as well. So, you know, not to make not to bash Sony, but you know they they've taken some some lashes for the battery life in the X, the the A7 series cameras, especially in the beginning. So the batteries would just you know you had to I, people would have pockets full of batteries, and the apologists would say, you know, oh, the batteries <laughs> are so little, I could just keep a ton of them in my bag. It's all good. <laughs> You know, versus just having a more efficient camera. So with this camera, the new XT2 that was just released, I'm reading from the uh, from the uh, the post here. And by the way, this is uh, this was this comes to us from BNH. So they're saying that it offers a new design for the batteries, Mm-mm. which uh, huh? you know what that <laughs> means, right? Which mm-hmm. which which means more efficient management of heat, permitting improved performance and features throughout the camera, and also a brand new revenue stream because all those X-T1 users are going to have to buy new batteries, right? Or have two. Now, so now I'm going to have, like, actually three sets of batteries because I still have a, an original X100. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, maybe it's, it's just problem. an internal design. Maybe I could cross my fingers and it's just an internal design because uh. I probably have, like, eight batteries for my – and it's not because I need that many, but just – I don't know why I have that many batteries. <laughs> maybe I only just have five. Case. I don't know. Just in case. It's good yeah. to have extras. Yeah. What's the battery life on the X-T1? Is it good? I don't know. It's, I don't feel like it's bad. I'm, mm-hmm. I can go a whole shoot probably without, like, you know, at landscape stuff or whatever without having to change my battery, depending on what I'm doing. But a lot of it is on the, you know. Like if you have one kinda... battery and you're on a workshop all day, you know how workshops go, right? So you're on a workshop all day shooting, uh, out to dinner at night, then back to the room. Are you switching batteries during that time or I... can you get a, get a full day out of it? 
That might be a couple batteries, two or three. I don't know. Okay. I don't really pay attention. That, that kind of stuff doesn't like bother me if I have to change batteries. And I know it yeah. is better. It than only the bothers Sony. me when I don't have a spare charged battery. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Funny. No, it is. I know it's better than the Sony. Um, I know that the Fujifilm cameras uh, or the XT ones in particular, because that's what I'm more familiar with, are much more weather sealed. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been out with uh, Brian. We'll be out like when it's cold, photographing at a waterfall. And I remember this is a little while ago, so they may have fixed the problem. But this LCD on the back of his camera was doing some really weird things because <laughs> of the cold, because it was like probably mm-hmm. snowy out. And my camera was fine. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, battery. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to talk about Sony anymore. But I've, I've heard, I've heard the stories, and the, you know, it's a good, all, it's good stuff. You know, I'm, you not, know, I'm Sony, not trying to bash the, it at all. The Sony cameras are amazing. I mean, and and hats off and kudos to them for like leading the market and and you know making those incredibly awesome cameras. But still, the battery. Come on, you know, it's, it's I'll the have battery. To, you know, when Brian gets home from work tonight, I'm going to ask him if they, if it's improved, if or if you know, because when when something like that happens, people remember and they're like, yeah, that might be the only thing they remember is because one time in the history of this camera, the battery life was bad. But right. you know, firmware updates can fix a lot of stuff like that. So maybe they've hopefully they've made some improvements since then. I hope so. Evgeny, you have any battery life on your XT1? Good, happy. Well, obviously much worse than uh, DSLR. Yeah, yeah, totally. Because so, it's not a car true. battery, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a car battery in my DSLR. <laughs> it's pretty small as well. But okay. uh, yeah, ob- obviously you need a few. And if it's a full day, uh, it probably will be two batteries. Uh, I only have two. So basically <laughs> it's, it's about one day of very heavy shooting. Uh, and on DSLR, one, one battery is enough for... I don't know. Like you charge it whenever you want to charge it. Yeah. Like so basically just uh if I'm shooting sporadically, battery would be enough for one week or two weeks. Um but but it, again, even for Fuji, sometimes I would charge it and I I would I can go on for weeks uh if I'm shooting very little in between. Mm-hmm. So it holds the charge and uh if I'm not shooting any long exposures or anything like that, it will hold the charge and, you know, enough for a few so you know i think you hit it you hit it right on the head it, it depends you know the answer is going to be it always depends because it's going to be your environment the humidity the temperature how much you're shooting what you're shooting you're doing long exposures mm-hmm. you're shooting video what kind of video you're shooting 4k or lower resolution <laughs> you know it goes on and on and on there's there's a ton of variables in there so what what about the uh that power grip you guys nicole's are you gonna like the, are you gonna, you gonna get that grip? Thing? yeah you know i have one for my xt1 and I might get one. It just depends on – it just – it depends. If I have a trip where I know I'm going to want to do a lot of, you know, just switch to vertical real quickly. I brought my grip, uh, my vertical grip with me to Italy and it was handy. It doesn't really add a lot to it. It makes it feel a little bit more like a SLR-sized camera. Yeah. But it's it's very convenient because it has that extra battery. And the, the new one is going to have two extra batteries. So there's like three batteries basically in the camera. Um but yeah, it's I, I like I like being able to just switch real quickly and do a vertical shot. I don't know. I, I'm not going to get it right away. I'm going to you know get the I'll probably get the XT2. I'll still have my Fujifilm XT1. I'll sell one of them and I'll keep a grip. You know, have a nice little <laughs> everything. Nice, nice. <laughs> All the cameras. What about the What about the flash? They alongside this release, the XT2, they released the EFX500 flash. It's their new flagship model, which offers I'm reading now um, high speed flash or high speed sync. Uh, it's weather and dust resistant. Uh, guide number at 164 feet. 
ISO 100 and and the 105 zoom position. So 164 feet at ISO 100 at 105. And uh, the zoom head is capable of 24 to 105 in 35 millimeter terms at 16 to 70 and et cetera. A bunch of other things. LED light for working with video. Nice. Oh, that's um, cool. Wireless TTL with four channels and three groups for re- remote communication with multiple units via an optical pulse. So basically, like all the other ones, it flashes and sends exposure information through Morse code to the other, other strobes. Do you, guys, <laughs> do you guys need this? Evgeny, do you need a strobe? Not so much for nope. landscape work. No, right? I don't use it. Uh, I don't use it. Like, I just don't use it. <laughs> I, I, I had my flash from <laughs> XT1 that comes with a package, and I don't know where it is. Yeah, the yeah. little tiny one. It's, I know. It's, I think I've left mine in the box before, so I had to go back and fish it out when I actually wanted to play with it. Yeah. It's like a super tiny little, like, tiny little flash that just sits on the like top. It looks like a toy, right? Yeah, I've, I got that. Yeah, I've, it's I've like a, a little flat one. one. You could, yeah, I'm sure you'd use that as the uh, optical strobe for the right. EX5, uh, EFX500. I'm kind of tempted by it, but I don't do that. I don't do a lot of strobe photography. So but you used to, right? I mean, you were you were hot and heavy into the food photography or what for a while. Well, there. I still you... do food photography. I just have a oh, setup. Okay. Like actually, so I'm in my sound booth right now, and just right over there, I have a table right next to a window where I do my food photography. I just it's it's just so much easier and, and much more space conducive <laughs> to not have all my strobes set up. Uh, I used to use my strobes more for stock, like people, stock photography. Mm-hmm. But when I kind of shifted away from photographing the, the cheesy kind of stock people and doing more food, I, I realized I can do it all with natural or window light and get just – and there's some exceptions. Sometimes if I want to do some fun like like steam things or whatever, then I have to use a strobe. But mm-hmm. it's tempting. That LED light on it, <clears throat> I'm really curious about that. I'm going to wait to see what some of the reviews or see if I can – Get one on loan from Fujifilm yeah. <laughs> to see if I could play with one, just to see what it's like. I've got one on my my Panasonic strobe, which which is you know it's it. I think it's very similar to what they're describing here, and it's got the it's got the LED light on there for video and all that. But I found it's 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 at least on the Panasonic one, it's very, relatively underpowered. So you're probably mm-hmm. not going to use it for a whole lot other than you know just a kiss of light, or if you want to put a highlight in someone's eye or something like that yeah. when you're shooting video. You know, other than that, I wouldn't count on it as like, you know, this is my run and gun news gathering, you know, light or anything. Think like close up stuff. Like what if I wanted to do some videos, videos of my food? Well, you know, that might Mm -hmm. actually be a good use for it. Even if it's not even it doesn't have to be on the camera. You can move it closer and diffuse it if you need to. Yep. So, but then again, yeah. there are a lot of other. If you just need something like that, there are a lot of other alternatives that are less expensive. I'm not actually sure how much this is going to cost, but yeah, it's yeah. But if you I think, already I need think, a stroke, like for the one I have, I think it's uh, the way I look at it is if it's in my bag and I'm in a situation that's dark and I want to shoot video, I have options. Mm-hmm. I can u- I can use that. But if I know the situation where I'm going to, I'm probably going to bring my own video lights or something, you know, and and, and light it that way or make other arrangements. And this is more like a like a spare tire, like an emergency brake glass in case yeah, but of are you gonna spend 450 dollars on a spare tire for you know well, I mean, well that's what i'm saying so i wouldn't buy it specifically for the led on there if i yeah. if i needed a strobe yeah you know and it's already on there why not have it but you know i wouldn't i wouldn't buy sure. it for that but you know it's good to have it's progress yeah it's progress all right, guys, let's uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Rico entering the cloud service arena by gobbling up iFi's cloud solution. 
I'd like to formally invite you to check out the brand new TWIP School. You've learned so much from the amazing TWIP hosts and guests over the years. Now, within the TWIP School, you can continue that learning and dive deeper on a variety of photographic and business topics. There are already several great courses to choose from in the school, and we will be adding new courses often. Right now, you can learn about fashion photography from Lucas Passmore, Final Cut Pro 10 for photographers, and time-lapse with Lee Herbert, marketing for photographers with Zach Prez, and even time travel for photographers with yours truly. And to kick things off, you can check out the school today with a course that we've made available for free for a limited time only. And that's Five Habits of Highly Effective Photographers. It's an inspirational course designed to help you get more done and stay focused. So head over to the brand new TWIP school now at school.thisweekinphoto.com. That's school.thisweekinphoto.com. All right, guys, we are back. Story number two is about Rico buying iFi Cloud. So you guys know who iFi is, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, and I did some consulting work for them about a year ago. And they, um, they are, for the folks that don't know who iFi is, they make an SD card. They made an SD card. Let's say that. So they, they made an SD card, which was amazing when they launched it because this was before most cameras had built-in Wi-Fi and all these other high-tech features. They enabled you to just swap out your SD card, put this thing in there, and suddenly you could shoot to the cloud or shoot to your computer or connect to your computer with your device and copy the images off of them. Now, of course, we can do that now with the built-in hardware and as a result, that part of their business, I would imagine, has kind of diminished. Uh, but a, a year or so ago, they launched a new cloud service, which Rico was interested in, came in and gobbled that up. And now I believe iFi is kind of, you know, putting the uh, the landing gear down on the rest of its business, much to the, ch- the chagrin of many of the iFi users. If you look online, there's a lot of uproar about them kind of, you know, end of lifing these cars, which a lot of a lot of photographers had come to rely on. So, I don't know, um, Evgeny, have you have you ever used the iFi solution in any of your cameras over the years? Well, frankly, I'm probably a bad person to ask because I tried it about six years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. and it barely worked for me. <laughs> uh, what happened? No, you're the perfect person uh, it, to ask. It, it. It, yeah, it just, what happened? You know, cumbersome to set up. Is slow and I mean like we're talking six I don't know maybe even seven years ago uh, and the whole experience was like oh my god why do I want to do this um, so I know that they much improved uh, since then and I've known people who um, can swear by uh, the iFi cards but for me the experience was okay like is it a huge issue like is it is it the uh, biggest pain point that photographers face of like getting the card and putting it in the computer and just the, you know downloading the files uh, or or is it something that we can live you know live with and and this yeah. thing is something that I I don't experience uh, major inconveniences of getting a card and just plugging in the computer so uh, obviously iPhone is much easier you know you snap a photo boom it's online. Uh, but right, this is kind of right. like, okay, well, it's something that we had to do for years, and I feel okay doing that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, w- it sounds like what you're saying is one of my little sayings is it's a, uh, 
it, it's kind of like a a cure in search of a disease. Pretty right? much, so pretty much. <laughs> have yeah. a disease, yeah. But on the other hand, though, I use I use uh, uh, not the iFi card right now, but I use the Wi-Fi capabilities in my cameras a lot, especially when I'm traveling. Just to copy of the JPEG over to my phone, do some quick tweaks, and post it online. You know, I could do the cable and all that, but just hitting a button on my camera, having it broadcast its little Wi-Fi hotspot, connecting to it with the app, copying a couple images over, it's like takes two seconds to do. It used to take much longer because it was iffy. Now that technology has progressed, it's much more rock solid. Nicole, what about you? Do you do you care for Wi-Fi in your camera at all? Well, I love Wi-Fi in my camera, uh, but like you said, I use it. I use it to transfer a quick photo over to my iPhone and share it yeah. on Instagram. I don't use it to put photos into the cloud. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, I don't know what I don't know. Like, I'm curious. Like, what? The, well, like, if the audience that's listening, if they tend more towards professional or advanced hobbyists or amateurs, but if that's and if that's the case, my guess is that you know, if you're listening to this podcast. This type of technology is probably not something that is really going to affect you. Like for me personally, I have photos on my phone and they go to the cloud and they, you know, I have them go into probably iCloud and and Google Photos. And and so everything on my phone is backed up. But I'm also trying to get those photos into my Lightroom catalog because that's Mm – and for me, that's where all of my photos live. If they're not on my main hard drive and, you know, backed up to my second hard drive, then they don't really exist. Well, they do exist, but they don't really exist to me. You know, photographing tons of – let's say that my Fujifilm camera had this technology where my photos could go straight to the cloud. At this point, it's probably not going to be the RAW files. It's probably just going to be the JPEG files. That's great. It's a little bit of a backup. Maybe there'd be some app thing that I could use to, you know, upload them somewhere else really quickly. But still, it's going to take time, and it's not really the final fix for what I would actually, you know, prefer to have happen. Um, so I don't. I see this more as consumer. You know, there's a lot more money in consumer products, and yeah. so yeah, that's absolutely. probably what the, where this is t- trending towards. I've never used one of the iFi cameras, or sorry, the iFi cards before. Um, but you know, and partly because I get cameras that have Wi-Fi in them now. And when I'm using, like, when I use my Canon 5D Mark III for underwater, I'm like, there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm usually somewhere yeah. where I can't share anyways because there's no data on boats. But I, I, I do rely on the Wi-Fi, but not for the reason that they probably are, like, trying to ingest this technology into their I company. Always, I was always suspect of that, though, you know, the whole idea of shooting to the cloud. You know, I've never, I've never been in a situation other than, maybe leading a meetup where I wanted to like shoot and show it on a screen, mm-hmm. which you could then tether if you want to do that. But, you know, other than that, I've shooting, I've, I always want to touch my images in some way, mm-hmm. whether it's cropping or doing some sort of adjustment on them before I actually release them to let the public look at them. I usually want to touch them in some way. I don't know that I'd, I'd feel comfortable like, you know, running around. It's like running around outside in your underwear or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, eventually I think everything is kind of leaning towards that. Years from now, we still don't – in certain parts of the world or even certain parts of the U.S., there's still not enough Wi-Fi or enough uh, data to enable this type of, that type of technology to upload all of your photos immediately after you've taken the picture from your camera, especially if the files are really big. So I think years down the line, this might be something that we do where it's normal. We don't even plug things into our computer anymore. We can set it up so it goes straight to where we want it on our computer. Um, so, you know, it's good that there, this technology exists because you have to make these small steps in order to get to that bigger, you know, end result. But I think right now at this stage, people who are more serious photographers are going to want to unplug the card and put it in their computer and and process those big photos on in Lightroom or Capture One or whatever they they use. 
Yeah, yeah, so. it's interesting. I don't know, Evgeny. Do you do you ever shoot to the cloud, or do you do you care about that? Well, I think I think we all will be shooting in the cloud some in you know at some point in the future, <laughs> and and, and yeah. you know I don't know if you use Snapchat, <laughs> but but you can, you cannot <laughs> yeah, you cannot crop on Snapchat. So you have to think if you're yeah. running in your underwear, how you're going to crop uh, your snaps. Uh, but uh, I think it's just kind of like you know there is. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, not, not <laughs> that, that, that is the quote. That is the quote now, of this now, episode. Now have, if you're running in your underwear, image. how are you going to crop your snaps? It's very important. Uh, I love uh, it. <laughs> He's turning red. Look at him turning red. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I think in general, you know, uh, for for consumers and you know for people like you and me, uh, we, we take photos with iPhones and we just want them to be where we need them to be. You know, if you're on a computer, be there. If you're traveling, let it be on the phone. Uh, a lot of fellow travelers that I know have their phones stolen, right? So it's not, nice to have some sort of backup that you don't have to think twice and ha- don't have to actively do. Um, so uh, there's a lot of uh, kind of like nice surprises if your phone is stolen, but your your all all your photos are yeah. safe and you didn't have to worry about right. that. That's great, yeah. you know. So uh, I think there's uh, definitely if iFi continues how they continue into the future, I think there will be use for much larger audience mm-hmm. uh, to use that service. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think I think you're right on the whole backup side of it because you know we have these phones as we've learned over the past year that are pretty impenetrable. So you know if you lock them down properly. So if you happen to lose your phone and you've been diligent about setting up like Nicole has done, you've been diligent about setting up your backup so everything is in the cloud. The only pain, generally speaking, that you hit when you lose your phone is the cost of replacing it. Um, you know, if you even hit that cost. So you replace it, and then the time it takes to restore the soul from the cloud into the new body, right? <laughs> download, <laughs> so. like the, the cyborg thing, right? Just to download their new... <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, hey, the uh, the singularity is near, I'm just telling you. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. It's it, We've talked about it ad nauseum on TWIP, you know, around the privacy concerns with that behavior, because when your stuff's in the cloud, as we know, nothing is secure. So do you care or not? And even if you even if you were even if you did care about that, and you have a computer that's connected to the internet at home, your stuff still isn't safe. So so you know it's a, it's an ongoing discussion. I think that's going to go on for many many years. All right, guys, let's skip to story number three now. And uh, and actually, story number three is going to be kind of an open discussion. I wanted to find out about what's going on with 500px over there. Yevgeny, you guys, you haven't been on the show in a while, and you guys are always rolling out brand new things. I know you you guys did a partnership, uh, an international partnership that's going on. Bring us up to speed. What's happening with you guys? Well, um, I think one of the biggest things that's going to happen this year uh, for the community is our fourth global photo walk. Uh, this year, it's Red Bull Photography and Ferrand PX. Uh, doing another global photo walk on September 17th. Um, nice. And you can check the Twitter or Facebook page to s- sign up and to uh, host if you want to. Uh, so it's going to be, last year uh, we made it the largest photo walk in the world. So that was pretty exciting. 
because we we uh, beat our friends at uh, Kelby Group. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. So you beat Scott, huh? Uh, well, not literally, not physically, uh, but it, it's a friendly competition. <laughs> yeah, he's bigger because, than you. It, it, because all the same hosts that host uh, FireNPX Photo Walk, they also host uh, Scott Kelby's uh, Global Photo Walk as well. So, it, uh, you know, yeah. it's it's community. So it's not like, you know, we are fighting, uh, but it's just nice nice to say that. So, yeah. uh, uh, like a friendly reminder that uh, we both do this for the community and we both do this for for fun. Uh, so that's going to be happening September 17th this year, uh, all over the world as always, so it's going to be pretty exciting. Um, another two things that the team has been working pretty hard uh, while I've been traveling, so uh, <laughs> uh, good for me, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, is the whole Market new, research, market uh, research, man. Yeah, uh, is the machine learning tool uh, in, in the form of the iOS uh, iPhone app. Uh, mm -hmm. So now, if you load the photo, uh, you don't even have to upload it on FireNPX. You just have to, you know, select the photo from your library, and it will tell you what's in this photo. You know, nice. whether nice. there's uh, so pretty, uh, pretty damn accurate, and sometimes maybe a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And as I mentioned uh, off of the show, that that we build this technology in house, so it's something that. Uh, we'll keep improving, and um, oh, so we'll you you guys built that. So it wasn't like you're 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 kind of go subbing that out to a third party to no to do no. The... I, and it's kind of like it's really interesting because Microsoft has about thousand people working on machine learning. Uh, Yahoo used to have another thousand people. Google has hundreds of people doing that. So it's kind of like it's a huge industry with a lot of people involved. And our team is like two people <laughs> uh, doing that uh, and, uh, and building machine learning ourselves because it's one of the core experiences that we think can help the community on one side uh, and the buyers on the other side. So community uh, and photographers, they don't have to work, uh, you know, they don't have to think about tagging their images. We can tag them yeah. for them. And that's something that obviously Google Photos and others have been trying to uh, do in more and more automatic way. So it saves people's time. And on the other hand, some photographers don't necessarily know how to, uh, what tags to use. So we can just say like, oh, don't worry about this. We'll tag them the way the buyers look for photos. So that you know, when you're looking to sell your photos, you actually don't have to do anything other than go out and shoot some more. Um, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And then the, the photographers, after, after the machine learning does its thing and picks the keywords or tags, the photographer can go in and edit those if it's not yeah, correct or yeah, add their no, own it, and all that, it, right? It, it just uh, currently is a, it, uh, it shows you as a suggestion. So you upload a photo mm -hmm. and it tells you, oh, hey, like we think there's these things in the photo. So you just you know, tap, 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 and you're done. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and it's frankly gets you from zero uh, from zero keywords to ten or twelve keywords in a matter of seconds. Um, so what about the light? You guys have a Lightroom plugin, right? Will the Lightroom plugin tap into that so I can have those keywords added directly into Lightroom? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, so the iPhone app deals with the photos that you upload through the iPhone. Uh, mm -hmm. The Lightroom works completely separately uh, from that and um, and currently it's not 
communicating. So like we in the future, once you upload them onto 500px, we can have all the cloud processing and all the machine learning that's happening on the server side, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, do that for you. But it's not going to happen in Lightroom. Uh, unless Lightroom goes and develops their own machine learning and helps you add keywords on the photos uh, while being kind of like in the Lightroom, which would be cool, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to, I, I don't want to search my photos where they were taken or who was in the photo. I just want to do like Google Photos, you know, search for like yeah. snow in Portland and just boom, get a bunch of photos of snow in Portland. Uh, exactly. If I ever shot snow in Portland. <laughs> Uh, it just snows in Portland. I'm sure, yeah. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's out now. Is that available now? Yeah, yeah. You can just download the um, iPhone app, and once you up, uh, select any of your photos in the library, you'll see the magic. <laughs> yeah. Now, Nicole, are you diligent about tagging your images when you get into Lightroom? I feel like your Lightroom library is probably the neatest Lightroom library ever created. Is it, or is it messy? I, I would say it's fairly organized. I, I well, it's organized for me. <laughs> like I use a lot of collections, and it's I use Lightroom more for just processing photos. I use it for organizing projects and eBooks and videos and things like that. So, I, I mean, it's it's organized. I do keep it clean, but I'm not good at tagging my photos. I'm really bad at it. I, I but I have a weird memory where I can go, I can remember like when I if I'm thinking of a specific photo, I can like remember when it was or I can search for it but I'll tell you what if you need to talking back to what we were saying about the cloud uh, I upload all of my iPhone photos into the Google Photos app and I've been doing some uh, double exposure photos and having a lot of fun with you know merging them together and on one and in Photoshop and every once in a while I'll be like okay I need like a a photo of leaves or trees or something. So, and I don't, these are usually just snapshots that I've happened to take or even like bad photos that I didn't have any plans for. So I go into Google Photos and I search for leaves or trees or flowers or whatever. I was able to fa find a really good, like maybe three or four solid photos that I was able to use in some of my double exposures just because they have such a really good, similar to what the, you know, the, they have a really good algorithm for finding those things. You know, they find, like, if I want to find photos of my dog, I can search for dog and it's going to find them. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this technology is, becomes global, you know, across like other processing apps like Lightroom. So I can, so I can use Lightroom because I have so many photos. It, I have over yeah. like, 250,000 photos in my catalog. Right, you just want so. to aim a robot at it and say, hey, yes. go sort these, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I'm the kind of person that I'm very organized, but if I cannot organize something, then I just kind of like, nope, I'm not going to try. I'm just going to like keep doing it the way I was doing it. So when it comes to keywording, I keyword photos when I upload them to my stock portfolio. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. That, that describes that whole side of my office. Yeah. <laughs> That was that's not behind the other camera. Not so neat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. Can, can you see? That's my workspace for my studio. It's not that messy, I guess. Messy ish. Uh, oh, that, oh, you have a yeah. real sound booth with a glass and everything. Oh, yeah. This is here. Let me give you the, you know, the five cent tour here. <laughs> Woo, Look at that. Yeah, no, this is a legit sound, sound studio. That so, is really cool. That's yeah. really cool. You guys, you guys. Impressive. Love yeah. it. Fix my. I know. Now I want to do that. I'm like, hmm, which room can I turn into a sound ev studio? Ev it's no, it's modular. Room. You can put it in any room. Oh, really? You I'll give you. It's, a... called a, it's called a vocal booth. Send so it to me. Can you send me that? Yeah. yeah, I'll send you a link. 
Yes. All right. Maybe I'll have one right. I can put it on top of that stuff on this side side of my office. All right, guys. We are going to jump into the listener questions. Look at that. The hour is gone already. See how fast these two (laughs) hours go? Before we do that, uh, we're going to take a break for this uh, message from one of our sponsors, which is me. Hey, folks, just a quick heads up. There are still a few spots left on my Vietnam North to South adventure. Just as a recap, this November 27th through December 10th, I'm taking a small group of 6 to 11 people on an exclusive 14-day photography adventure through the wonderful country of Vietnam in Southeast Asia. The locations that we'll be visiting include Hanoi, Halong Bay, Hoi An, Saigon, also known as Ho Chi Minh City, and the Mekong Delta. We have some great activities planned, including photo walks, foodie walks, if you happen to like great food. We'll also visit some of Vietnam's most amazing markets and temples and much, much more. Also, we'll have dinner floating on Ha Long Bay and wake up to the most amazing view you've ever seen. And don't worry, there'll be plenty of free time for you to explore and discover each location at your own pace. And your fee covers just about everything, including all flights within the country, accommodations at conveniently located three and four star boutique hotels, most meals, local guides, air-conditioned vehicles, all entry fees for our group activities, and two internal flights. And the cost for this amazing 14-day, 13-night trip is just $3,899 for double occupancy. Or if you want your own room, just add $599 and you can have your own room with your own privacy. So come join me for the time of your life later this year in Vietnam and, of course, help me celebrate my birthday in the wonderful city of Hanoi. Get all the details and register now at twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. That's twip.pro slash Vietnam 2016. All right, guys, we are back. So periodically on the show, we answer questions and respond to feedback that is coming from one or more of our listeners. This week, we have some feedback from TWIP Army member Tim Ashman. And this is more of a rant than a question that we will, we will discuss. Hashtag I think you guys, you guys are the perfect ones to kind of talk about this because you're, you're both, I think you both have a foot in the DSLR camp still, and now you're moving to mirrorless. So Tim says, quote, You always come to the conclusion that Nikon hasn't done anything for years to its camera line, and the death of Nikon has been predicted several times. I'm not saying you're wrong, and maybe you know something I don't, being an insider, but I'd like you to to think about this, or think about it like this. If you replace the word Nikon with Apple, would you come to the same conclusion? Said another way, people who support Apple will tell those of us who think Apple is behind the times that Apple is waiting until the feature can be implemented correctly and the best that it can. Hmm. He goes on to say, how is it that Nikon can't be looked at the same way? How do we know they don't have a mirrorless D5 in their R&D department and are just waiting for it to perform as well uh, as well for all types of photography and not just street, portrait, landscape, etc.? I agree for most people, a mirrorless works just fine. For those wanting the fastest focus, the best tracking, the longest battery life, camera controls that you don't have to think about, they still want Nikon. Hmm. Interesting. Yevgeny, you shoot Nikon. He's got a point on some of those topics there. What, what do you think? You agree with him? No, I don't agree with him. And, I, I, you, you know, <laughs> right, when, tell me why. I, I think f- people always like uh, the latest and the greatest. Uh, but it, eventually it's kind of like, what do you do with that? 
Are you just uh, are you just keeping it mm-hmm. around, or are you just taking snaps of your kids and they're all blurry and everything? So uh, mm-hmm. I I basically switched from Nikon D10, which is currently in a drawer back in Canada, to a camera that is uh, not worse, but like at least on 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 a spec sheet worse than uh, Nikon. But I did that for you know for mm-hmm. the reasons that I I can enjoy photography. While being, you know, while traveling a light and and just kind of like having all the knobs and everything in place. So it's not about having, uh, you know, the tiniest camera with 200 megapixel full frame sensor and like those magical 10 millimeter to 1000 millimeter uh, f 1.4 lenses, right? Those things will will yeah. I cannot say never, but likely will never exist. And yeah. it's not about uh, it's not about having kind of like the latest. It's about having a tool that's right for your either job or for your purpose. And, you know, for most people, it, it, mm-hmm. iPhones are the, the tools that they use for their purpose. So I all wish we had better cameras sooner and more often, but I cannot upgrade them every, you know, every time the new camera comes out. So I'm sticking with my X-T1 for a while and then I'm sticking with my Nikon for a while. So, and my iPhone is not the newest iPhone anymore. You know, so like, uh, it's, it's okay to use whatever tool uh, you got. So, I don't see the point of kind of like en- endlessly rushing towards uh, uh, innovation and just kind of like just releasing new things and all the time. So I guess I'm getting old, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's my, <laughs> no, 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 I agree. You know, you, you're getting smarter. That's the, that's, you know, there's a difference between aging and, and being more intelligent. But what I was thinking, um, I highlighted a paragraph or a sentence in here and let me reread it. He says, how do we know they don't have a mirrorless D five in their R and D department and are just waiting for it to perform as well for all types of photography, not just street portrait landscape, et cetera. So that I would put squarely in the camp of the apologist, right? So that mm-hmm. is that sounds like like me in high school, like you know, hanging out with my friends at some party and waiting until it's too late to go talk to the cute chick on the other side. <laughs> you know, he's gonna wait, and then you miss your opportunity because you waited, and then you you know you make excuses for waiting. Well, you know she you know she wasn't that cute anyway. You know so. So this is what they're doing. It's like, you know, if they have a mirrorless D5, this is not the industry to just sit on it like an egg and wait for the right moment to pounce, especially with the Sonys and the Fujis and the Black Magics and the Panasonics and everybody else out there that are relentlessly innovating. If you have something to release, you would think that they would release it. Otherwise, you know, maybe they don't have something. Nicole, what do you think? Well, I don't think that the mirrorless is causing... I don't think that there's going to be like a death of Nikon or a death of Canon or anything like right, that. Right. They're primarily so Canon's a little bit different because they do have other products, but let's just you know they have you know like printers and things like that. We'll just talk about yeah, yeah. them from a camera company perspective. Canon has the uh, M series cam- uh, mirrorless camera, which I was a little hopeful for before I did a switch over to Fujifilm, but they're not a mirrorless company. They're not all in on mirrorless, so. 
you're. I don't even think they marketed their last mirrorless camera to the U.S. I think it was like an overseas camera only. So yeah. they're not all in on it, even though that is kind of where some of the other markets are going. So that doesn't necessarily mean that Canon and Nikon have to do mirrorless. And it doesn't mean that they have to stay in the game to do mirrorless. It just means that they're becoming much more specialized over time. People, People who are getting into photography – still have it in their head that they have to get an SLR. They have to get an SLR because that's a professional camera. That is changing. You know, there are tons of professional photographers who use mirrorless cameras. There are tons who still use DSLRs. It's really a personal preference. But I think that mirrorless is becoming bigger and bigger for a lot of reasons. It's lighter. It's smaller. It's becoming just the quality is great. The performance is getting par, closer to par. Uh, Mm -hmm. But specialized, like, Sports photographers and I don't underwater photographers. You know, yeah. there are you know you could do mirrorless underwater, but there are exceptions. Like for me, I don't really have that setup. Uh, it's 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 like it's like buying a medium format camera. Yeah. People it's still right do it. Tool. Yeah, people still do it, but it's really expensive. And I think mm-hmm. eventually that's you know it's probably years and years down the road. But I think that's where those camera companies are kind of headed. So it just it's, like, it, to me, it feels like cars too. You know, a, a parallel would be the automotive industry. You know, we had combustion engines, which we most of us have now, but you can kind of see on the horizon that this this battery powered mm-hmm. electric vehicle thing might have legs, and it might kind of be the future of uh, of transportation in a lot of big cities and maybe small cities. However, that said, you're not going to use an electric vehicle for everything. Right? There's there's times <laughs> when you probably need the horsepower or whatever that you can get from a gas powered vehicle or the longevity or the distance, you know, all that stuff. Well, so, the difference is there are no DSLR lobbyists in Washington. That's true. <laughs> so, so that makes that's, that's that's the difference. But <laughs> yeah, the, the, I'm try. I almost got a whole, got through a whole episode without being political. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> to not bring politics into it. This is really oh, like, yeah, you know, well, that's, stop it right there then. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Are you saying that make these alarms great again? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm saying make DSLRs hate again. <laughs> There's he your quote it. for the show. <laughs> make DSLRs hate again. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. See, you baited me, Evgeny Tabatarov. <laughs> you baited me into it. And I am weak. I admit it. I am weak. All right, guys. Uh, I hope, Tim Ashman, that answered your question. I, 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 think, I don't think that was a question. You just wanted to spur a discussion, which, which I think we fine. did. That's good. Yeah, which is totally good. Yeah. I encourage more TWIP listeners to write in with, with their opinions so that we can, you know. I we like can tell that them. one. I we like can that tell one. them how was, wrong they are. Yeah, it, start, it sparked a conversation. It wasn't just yeah. answering somebody's technical question. I liked it. Yeah, but I agree with him. I mean, he said fastest focus. You know, I don't know that's arguable, but I think the fastest tracking is probably still true. Longest battery life, arguable, depending on the model that you're shooting. My, my GH4 <laughs> lasts longer than I do, so, you know, that, <laughs> that's great. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's just, you know, you can see the trajectory of where these cameras are going as evidenced by Fuji and this latest release from them. You can see where they're going. They're enhancing, they're, they're, they're polishing and making these things better and better and better. And, you know, the, the argument still remains. We haven't seen a whole lot from the other guys. So we want to see stuff. That's all I'm saying. 
All right, Twip Army, if you have a question you'd like us to tackle in the show, just click on the Contact Us link at the top of the page and select Twip Main Show to submit your questions. Similarly, if you have a question for any of our other shows, you can select those in the pull-down and send them a question. It goes directly to their inboxes, and uh, they will get it right away. All right, let's jump into the Picks of the Week segment. Remember, guys, you can pick anything to recommend to the Twip Army as long as it is somehow related to photography. Nicole S. Young, what yeah. is your pick? My pick is Peak Design, and they're a company that creates camera straps, which I love. I have uh, the little dongles here on my Fujifilm X-T1 right here. They're on all uh, my cameras. They're yeah, I know, same here. They're just, like, dangling off of everything. Yep. Uh, so the, their camera straps are great. They came out with a brand-new messenger bag. They have a couple of them. They have a large one and a small one, and I have the small one. It's a 13-inch. It's so good. I love I it. Have a, yeah. I have a bigger one, but the smaller one looks just amazing. <laughs> It's perfect. I have the smaller one too. It is it is it's what you wanted. Yeah. It's yeah. awesome. It's yeah. it's perfect. The, the the large Brian has the larger, the fifteen inch one, and I, I have that one too and I tried it and I just it was just mm-hmm. too boxy and too big and the thirteen mm-hmm. inch is, is perfect. Um it holds a laptop, it holds a iPad, it holds a couple camera lenses and whatever. So oh, yeah. great for mirrorless. Um but the the big thing that's coming up is actually I don't even know what it is. It's uh it's an upcoming Kickstarter launch and they have a landing page, peakdesign.com slash KS and they're giving some little tips and things. I mean I think a lot of people yeah. are speculating what they think it might be and and um so you know I know exactly what it is. You know what it is. I know what it is. I know what it is, but I can't tell you. Just, just, just give us a hint. It has something to do with uh, camera bags and connectors and stuff that they make. So, so you know. So I'm excited because <laughs> they have everything they come up with is awesome. They have yeah. like every product they have is is really great. And so, check them out if you've never heard of them or if you've never used their stuff before. Uh, even if you're just looking for a new camera strap, they're awesome. Wait, when so. are they kicking off that Kickstarter? Um, I think it's a couple weeks still. Okay, so let me see. Oh yeah, yeah. Time left three weeks. Okay. Yeah, so there's a little bit of time, a little bit of time. But okay, you can get I was, in. And... I was going to spill it. I was just going to say, hey, this is what's coming out. But you know. Oh yeah, don't do that. <laughs> I won't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I can say that you know these guys know what they're doing, and they don't. The interesting thing, and why I'm such a fan of them, other than the fact that their their bag works for me, you know, their bags don't work for everybody, but. They work for me. The little connectors. I like their camera straps. They just that system and their and their design aesthetic works for the way that I think. Um, but the other reason that why I like Peak Design is the way that they run their business. So they they don't take any outside funding. They launch all of their new products through Kickstarter campaigns like this. Mm-hmm. So which gives them the money to do the next you know the next product. So they not they're not beholden to anyone outside of them and their and their customers, which is kind of awesome. So, yeah, I think they're they're a pretty cool company just yeah. on that regard alone. They're kind of like the next generation Kickstarter driven startup, which is which is fantastic. So that's it. Nicole, that's where is it? Peakdesign.com slash KS. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. For Kickstarter. Yeah. Check that out. Yevgeny Chabotarov. What about you, man? What's your pick of the week? Well, obviously, I use uh, Peak Design as well. So but now that it's taken as a pick, <laughs> uh, I actually, the thing that I, you know, I, I find very useful on my uh, travel trip uh, mm-hmm. is this. Oh, yeah, Fujifilm oh. Instax. Oh, it, the Instax Mini, yes. yeah. And yeah. I use it with the printer. So, yeah. Uh, they currently have a new one that is that looks very stylish. This is an old one. 
Uh, and oh, it's the new it's, one. I didn't know there was a new one. Oh. And the new one looks amazing. It's not out yet, I don't think. Uh, it looks amazing, and it's ten times faster than the old one, so it's really good improvement for the product. But for you know, for everywhere I would go, like Indonesia or China, uh, I would try to buy a few packs of this. And basically, if I shoot someone, uh, or it's a you know small photo session or a portrait session, I would just uh, load them and print a few photos right away. Uh, and just give it to people, you know, so they don't have to wait like weeks to get their better quality photos. Uh, but yeah. they get very nice, stylish memory of of you know us meeting, and that breaks a lot of uh, a lot of kind of like you know like a great icebreaker for for any kind of shoot, you know, like whether it's kids or portraits or girls or whatever. Uh, always a great way, just kind of like to connect. So. Uh, and it's very fairly inexpensive, right? So the the packs itself goes from anywhere six to twelve dollars, depending on the country. Um, and uh, this one, uh, I picked it up for about hundred bucks, and the new yeah, one I think so. is going to be hundred and fifty. Um, and that's it. You know, you just just carry a small printer with you. Uh, that's that is really yeah, cool. Yeah, use and a it, use an iPhone yeah. app. Or if you have a Fujifilm camera that has Wi-Fi, yeah, yeah, you both, can use that both, and yeah. print directly from That's it. what I heard. I heard yeah. the Fuji cameras can... I think Karen Hunt was telling me that, that you can mm-hmm. print directly from yeah. your camera yes. to the printer without having to use yeah. the, the phone as an intermediary. That's yeah. true? Yeah. Yes, that's true. But, you know, what I, what really I use cool. is I would download from a camera to a phone, edit with one of the photo editing apps, uh, make it more stylish, and then just kind of, like, print it uh, <laughs> on, on Instax. So it's a little bit, a few more steps, but, again, like, you usually have a coffee after, after a photo shoot, and it takes, like, five minutes, and boom, you have a couple of photos that you can give, give back. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I have one of those. I haven't used it in a while. I had no idea they were coming out with a new one. Is that one released yet, or is it just announced? I think it's just announced. It's a month or two away from being released. All right. I'm ordering that. So <laughs> that thing is, like, the best. Like, that is the best gift for a photographer. So That's if you're true, looking, yeah. right, if you're looking for something to give photographers that can buy anything for themselves, or they probably have it already, that thing is something they, if they don't have it, they, they would like. They don't know they need it yet. They don't know they need it, and they will love it. <laughs> they will love it. Yeah. So hint, hint to those who buy me stuff. You know, I want one of those. <laughs> Just say it. All right, guys. So my pick is from a company called uh, Plotograph Pro. So they came out with a piece of software. I wrote a blog post about this yesterday, but essentially what it does is it is it's kind of it's kind of a different take on cinemagraphs. So you guys know what cinemagraphs are, right? Where mm-hmm. it's basically you take a frame of video, freeze it, and then selectively reveal some motion in it. Plotographs allow you to harvest your entire photography library and selectively apply motion to different parts of the image using some weird magical unicorn algorithms. So if you look at some of the shots on their page, so for example, they had oh, this shot cool. of like this house. I'm looking at the website. That they animated the grass, right? They animated the grass on the house from a still shot that was taken a year ago. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think it breathes new life into, into that form. I don't think it's... It's not going to be like a replacement for cinemagraphs, you know, because it's like for more of high frequency, repeated areas of motion like water or grass or hair or things like that. Uh, whereas a cinemagraph, you can animate things like dangling earrings where the, mm-hmm. everything else is frozen or, you know, things like that. So I think it's, a, it's an awesome tool to add to the arsenal of the, you know, people that are doing this kind of multimediography. And it's at 
link to it in the show notes for this, but it's at Plotograph Pro, P-L-O-T-A-G-R-A-P-H Pro.com, Plotograph Pro.com. It is really cool. So definitely check it out. All right, guys, we're at the end of the show. Uh, Nicole, what are you working on? What do you have coming up other than yeah. trying to become the next Jacques Cousteau underwater <laughs> photographer? <laughs> well, I've been putting all my efforts into, uh, like I said, I have a Lightroom video to your training I'm yep. creating for my store. So that's been, I've been literally sitting in here <laughs> almost all day today <laughs> recording video and going into my office to edit it. So. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. And if, if you're interested, I have a very active newsletter. I have over 48,000 people on it, and I'm announcing it in a week or two so you can get the details on it. So, and that's I love at, that. That's at NicoleZBlog.com slash newsletter. NicoleZBlog.com slash newsletter. Sign yep. up for it. Yeah, just sign up for my newsletter, and you'll be on my list. I got to tell you, I got to give you kudos. Every time you come, come on, I think I tell you this, because you were like the consummate considered photopreneur. <laughs> you know, you, you know, some people like there, there, there's photopreneurs and then they're considered photopreneurs. I call like Trey Ratcliffe is a photopreneur. Like he does, he's everywhere doing all this stuff and something new comes out. Trey's the first, he's got an account on it and a million <laughs> followers instantly, you know, and then, and then the considered photopreneurs like you, you, you're methodical, you think through stuff and then you release things that you can tell that you, you thought about it. You know, you can tell that you, you yeah. obsessed over that particular shade of you have turquoise. no idea. It, I mean, so I, for my products, the, so, and this is actually completely produced, I say by my company and that's me, but yeah. I do everything, everything. Uh, and it is, it's. I've spent I spent probably like two days just coming up with the little the little intro part that goes you know the seven second intro before yeah. each video yeah. and making sure that the timing is perfect and that the font is perfect and that everything is perfect for me perfect for what I see but it right. is I, I, but I really enjoy it it's it's part of and that's it right it's because yeah. you you enjoy doing that it's like because people yeah. will say marketing people in internet marketing will say you have to outsource all that because it's not going to scale you can't do everything yourself there's only so many hours in a day yada 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 but if this is something that you enjoy doing you enjoy creating content and polishing it and obsessing over the perfect <laughs> shade of green or turquoise then yeah. <laughs> you know why not why not do it's it fun. You know? yeah i love it so kudos to you and your forty-eight thousand on your list now yeah That's forty-eight thousand awesome. just broke congratulations that is cool <laughs> Yeah, big lists move mountains. That's they do. What they, that's why. <laughs> that's why I can do this for a living, right? That's right. <laughs> thank you, everyone. If you're subscribed to my newsletter, thank you very much. I really appreciate you. Yeah, and if you're not subscribed to her newsletter, I still get on her. Yeah, get on, get her, on there. Yeah. Get on her. List. I appreciate you, anyways. <laughs> and then what's, what's the list? At? What's the address again? It's so if you go to my website, nicolzyblog.com. Uh, if you you can go straight to it by just doing a backslash newsletter, and there's mm-hmm. also signups right there. It's pretty hard to miss a sign up on my on my website so awesome yeah. cool yeah. all right well thanks again for coming on i appreciate sure. it thank you all right mr chabotarov what about you man what's coming up for you personally and for 500 px well i'm sticking with asian countries for the next uh, month and a half maybe so i'll travel to the place where you have been before and enjoy and oh, you're, you heading to Vietnam or Japan? <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> but I was thinking Vietnam because I was very jealous of your trip there. Okay. Uh, and I've never been to Vietnam before. Yeah. So it's basically, uh, it's very hard to get out of here. And I think once I go back, it's going to be you know, kind of hard to get 
back. So I want to kind of like cover as much territory as I, uh, as I can during, during my time here. Um, so yeah. um, for that, there is all the photos that I post there on FireNPX, obviously, uh, and some on Instagram. So you can check both of those uh, platforms. <laughs> Uh, one of them is not like the other. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, oh, uh, in terms of yeah. RNPX, there's going to be obviously a whole new set of things coming up, uh, actually related to the Asia region as well. So, uh, going to be pretty exciting in the next month or so. Uh, and in the meantime, mm. and what what happened with you guys? I know you guys had, you did a deal with a, with a Chinese company out there. What what was? Uh, yeah. I just saw like a blurb on that. What was that about? Yeah, yeah. Well, a year ago, we received additional funding. Mm -hmm. So our C that uh, gave us $15 million. And majority of that money came from a Chinese uh, company called VCG, mm -hmm. uh, which is currently becoming more and more known on the West because they acquired Corbis uh, about half a year later after they invested in our company. Um, and they also uh, the exclusive distributor of Getty Images in China. So oh, wow. basically, they they... Uh, tried to invest in variety of businesses that were commonly, uh, you know, in the West, mm -hmm. um, and bring them. So sometimes they would bring them over to China, or sometimes they would bring Chinese photographers over in the West. So they're connecting uh, the two. And with, with us, what what they've done is uh, together we created uh, a new platform called Me, which mimics uh, everything that's happening on Fire NPX, uh, but it is in Chinese. And it's behind the Chinese firewall. So that means that if you're in China, you cannot access Instagram, you cannot access Facebook, you cannot use Google, you cannot use Flickr. Uh, basically, there's none of the sites that work. Uh, and FireNPX works there. And it opens up uh, your photos to the Chinese uh, and opens Chinese photographers to the world. So it's kind of like a very unique uh, link uh, that connects the those two worlds that are currently very separated and kind of like spending my time in China and Asia, I can see this, uh, you know, daily how separate the uh, like those worlds are. The east and the west, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so th this this project that we're building is trying to connect the two. Uh, and luckily, be, it sounds like a lot of work. Wow. It is a lot of work, a lot of technical challenges uh, combined with a lot of uh, cultural challenges. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have been worried about the copyright because when they hear Chinese, they're like, oh, my God, there's like copyright issues non-existent. Uh, but uh, the more I deal with um, companies here and the more I talk with companies, they're all willing to pay. So they are licensing, uh, you know, if you watch Independence Day, it's like semi-Chinese movie. Or if you watch, like, Now You See Me Too, it's a Chinese movie. Like, like you're watching movies in the States, but they already belong to Chinese anyway. Uh, uh, uh. With all the cultural references and Chinese actors making their appearance. So we'll see more of that uh, interchange in all the ways of life, like uh, with you know, Uber being uh, invested by like Chinese companies and uh, in... Uh, arts and uh, culture and things like this and I think uh, overall like if we take a very long view it's going to be a great thing because it connects uh, those two worlds 
Now, what about, what about not to not to dive into this? We could probably do a whole interview on this piece. But the like you said the the accounts that are like my account, for example, on five hundred px, is it accessible by the Chinese now, or do they have to do something specific to access it, or do I have to do something? No, it's it's basically uh, yeah, they can see it, they can follow you, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, soon you'll be able to manage if you want to, you can manage. Uh, that account uh, kind of like separately. You know, you want to hide okay. this from Chinese or you want to show it to Chinese. Uh, but but in the short, uh, you would see a lot more views coming uh, to your account and you'll see a lot more, like I'm already getting a lot more followers from China. Like, and, cool. they, and they're that's commenting cool. in Chinese. So that's, <laughs> that's why cool. I need to practice my Chinese harder than, <laughs> uh, than I but currently is it, what do. happens, I mean, are there any, like what are the negatives? So... Like, for example, I know China's very strict on, you know, certain things. Like, if I had a picture of, say, the Dalai Lama or something in my account, yeah. would they get upset about that and shut my account down? Or, like, what, uh, what is they'll that? They'll have what to happens? filter that out. Yeah, that, okay. that's, that's okay. why there is uh, kind of like that sits behind the firewall because you cannot have, uh, like, as I, I guess you cannot have in. in you know, in the states as well, people are very yeah. sensitive to that. But also, uh, political things are obviously you have to uh, be uh, mindful of that. Uh, yeah. And and unfortunately, yeah. that's the only way to work with China is to be uh, is to agree on their terms how you know how the government thinks. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, hey, it's their uh, yard. Yeah, unfortunately, you know? <laughs> you're dealing with a government of 1.4 billion people, so like you kind of have to yeah. play by their rules. Uh, and yeah, the political yeah. and sensitive to uh, Chinese censorship things will be filtered out on on your account on the Chinese uh, side of things. Yeah. Very cool. Well, congratulations, man. That's uh, that's awesome. I keep hearing like China. I keep hearing China more and more. You know, like in the. I I, like, I listen to Donald the, Trump uh, speeches. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're trying to bait me. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. No, like with the in the in the latest WWDC Apple yeah. keynote. You know, it's they. You know, you you hear kind of a recurring theme of of more features that are Chinese friendly Absolutely. and they're yeah. making these moves, these inroads into Absolutely. China. And, you know, it's, you hear and that the thing more is, and if more. you're in China and you start using your phone, you start realizing that there's a more feature, like a lot more features that are hidden from the West world, but you can set up for, for China and, uh, like the, uh, all the social media sharing, uh, uh, like five different ways to input Chinese characters uh, and all that. So it's just kind of like it, it is something that is uh, not visible if you are in you know, San Francisco, but it becomes very apparent once you spend more and more time in China and see how people use their phones and see like, what's happening, how they interact. Uh, with each other and with their phones and with technology. So uh, Apple uh, may seem like they stalled, but they're actually making a lot of things for Chinese, which are like invisible for the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting. Very cool. You mean you mean there's a world outside of the United States? Stuff actually happens outside of our borders. What are you talking about? It's heresy, man. Well, uh, you you better get out before there's a wall. (laughs) We're in a full circle. You see that, Nicole? He's trying to get me. He's trying to get me. This thing Um, overall, but uh, but yeah, the world, the world out there is incredible, and you know, there's so much more to discover. 
uh, and just just talking yeah. to people and seeing what they do and what they're building just was an incredible experience. Well, speaking speaking of discovering an incredible world, Vietnam, you're going to have a good time there. Nicole, you're you helped me, right? But then I ping you before I went yeah, to Vietnam. You gave, I gave me some you tips. Some tips. Yeah, yeah, I went there like 5 years ago and lo- I I, I want to go back. I love yeah. it. So yeah, beautiful. I'm going back again. I'm going back in uh in November. Again, I'll be oh. celebrating my birthday there. Awesome. Again. And uh yeah, you're going to have a good time, Evgeny. You're going to have a good time. I hope you like good food, lots of colors, yeah. and scooters. <laughs> There's one or two yeah. scooters Motorbikes in the country. all over the place. There's like three yeah. cars in the whole country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, you can't, it's indescribable how many scooters are there. Yeah, just like everywhere in Asia, you know. It, it's just incredible yeah. That, yeah. that everyone drives a scooter. Everyone knows how to drive a scooter once they're born, basically. Yeah, yeah. They might come out on a scooter. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we are at the end the end of another episode of This Week in Photo. Be sure to visit the new Twip School at twipschool.com. And uh, you can check us out on we're, – we're all over the place. We've got tons of shows. We're on YouTube. We're on Facebook, Google+, Plus, all that stuff. Check us out. And with that, guys, it is time to take that lens cap off. She remembered. How did I forget? That was awesome. I thought she did. That's right. Yeah, I was wondering. I saw you were This Week in Photo is a PixelCore.tv production. Produced by Suzanne Llewellyn. With technical producers John Riley and Alutha Jamakar.